Está ora mais volta em parches de vura. Volta com os fosamas. Os fosamas em glaquita. Então, se voltou, o Moshe Rabbein disse, vai ir a uma aina a dover. O Moshe Rabbein disse, 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 Pshat is that Mashavani was including himself in the Misr. He's giving Tachokha, Klal Yisroi, he did the wrong thing, but I also liked it. I was also part of this. And that's one of the ways that somebody can take you to Tachokha when you include yourself in the Misr. You're not, you're not the, the Mr. Macho, Mr. Great Guy who never made a mistake and telling everyone else what they're doing wrong. You're explaining, you know, I also have what to fix, and together we, we should really um, understand this better and do, and do things better. And that's, and that's a very important... Um, very important idea when it comes to telling people things. And interestingly, the Sassamah is also in this week's um, parsha, not in the Kita. On the Pusik Besinnes Hashem he also explains an idea uh, that Teichucha, when somebody is giving Teichucha, right, there's an idea of Oyev Asa right? A smart person likes when you give a Misa. So what does it mean he likes when you give a Misa? Who likes when he gets Misa? So he explains that when, when a person believes that the Moichiach really loves them, then he loves the Misa. It doesn't mean I, like, I love when people come give me misa. I love when people rebuke me and, and, and point out all my, all my shortcomings. No, I love when I get it from somebody I love. And when somebody's telling me I did the wrong thing, but I know that they love me and care for me, that, that I'll take. So he explains this for some of it. But the idea is that very often people feel like I have something to tell my spouse. I'm showing bias. I see they're doing something wrong. Um, either doing wrong to me or in general doing something wrong. That I feel I have the responsibility to point it out. Uh, but how do I do it? So, just two ideas over here. One idea is to include yourself in the message. It's not me against you pointing out where you're going wrong again. Shavater. It's, you know, maybe we could do something better over here. And another idea is to make sure that the person knows that this is coming from love. And that's a, that's a hard condition. Because very often, the, the, the very fact that you're pointing out that something is doing something wrong is something they can take personal and see it as you're looking down at me and you probably don't feel great about me. But if you can make sure that it sounds like this message is coming from a, a loving and a caring place, you know, that alone is, is definitely something that could you know, make the message um, be taken better. So let me, let me read a short, a short letter, a short question that I got. Um, try to give some helpful ideas. Why do you think so many women want to work themselves to the bone, making fancy Shabbos and of meals, even at the expense of being exhausted during the meals? Is it especially it's a horror for women? That's the question. Now, I assume that it's a man asking the question, although I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I assume it's a man asking a question. And I just want to mention, you don't have to be ashamed to, to say that this is what's going on in your house. Again, you don't have to, but sometimes people ask questions and discuss topics in a way that they don't get the full benefit. I'm not talking about writing a question to a Shia. I'm saying they're talking about someone else. I just had this this past week. Somebody stopped me and said, what should a person do if he was talking about an issue, you know, uh, what should a child do? Or what is a, if he notices something, this, like, it was a whole abstract question. I started answering the question, assuming that Yutaka was talking about a child. And when, I, when he realized that my answer wasn't answering what he was asking, that's when he had to take his guard down and say, no, no, I'm the child. Oh, oh you're the child. I was answering him how to address a child who talks like that, who has this issue. And I mean, he's a child. And, you know, so. Anyway, my point is that when you ask someone if it is yet a horror for women, um, that's a pretty abstract question. And the answer might be, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big hour that women have. But if you tell me it's your wife that has this issue, I could talk to you more helpful about how you could deal with it. 
So there's nothing to be ashamed about. That's first of all. I'm just mentioning that you never know. Maybe it's maybe maybe it's a woman asking the question. She's noticing in herself that you know, I work myself to the bone, and then I'm exhausted during the meals. Is that especially it's her that I'm dealing with? Is it common? Is it my own problem? I'm just mentioning. I don't know. Could be a woman asking the question. I don't think so. Um, but it just reminds us a story of the guy who came to the Rebbe. Um, Rebbe, my friend did an avayda. He wants to do chiva. He said, why, didn't your friend, why doesn't your friend come and ask for a chiva? He said, oh, because he's embarrassed. He said, oh, he's embarrassed? He could have come and told me that his friend did an avayda. I guess that Rebbe realized you know, that uh, he's really asking about himself. In any case, I just wanted to mention that when I read this question at Ring a Bell and I looked it up, I noticed that last year in the Yiddish class, Parshas Vayigash, Tufshim Pai, I addressed a similar question of a husband who was complaining that he can't get his wife to cook simple food that he likes. He's always making fancy stuff. So maybe a, t- a similar topic, but let me just try to um, discuss this issue a little bit. Let me first discuss what, what we'll call the issue and then how to deal with it. Okay? The issue of women making fancy meals for Shabbos and Yom Tif and uh, working themselves to the bone. Right? Why don't they just take it easy and relax? So, well, one thing that a friend of mine recently told me was a cute uh, story about Rabbi Uncle Miller, Yam Aruf. He, he says a friend once called him for Tameyu at home. Right? Come in there, Shabbos, come and eat something. So he comes into this friend's house, and the guy serving him what was prepared for Shabbos was all a bunch of takeout food, from top to bottom. From the fish to the soup to the meat to the cook, everything was takeout food, bought in the store. And when he finished eating, he calls him the balabusta and he says, You know, I have to give you a compliment. You're not, you're not one of those lazy women who just stay home all day and cook and bake everything themselves. You're, you're good. You're, you're motivated. You're dedicated. You go out there and you buy and you shop. And that was his compliment to her, that she's not lazy like the other ones who make everything homemade. It's, it's cute but sad to see sometimes that people don't have the, the feeling for the efforts and for whatever it takes to make a nice Shabbos meal, for a nice Yom meal. Watching women work themselves to the bone to prepare nicely for Shabbos and Yom Tif, there's something about it. Now, obviously, if it's done the wrong way or obsessively or in a way that's on, obviously, it could be a problem. I'm saying the idea to see women taking this very seriously and working hard for a Shabbos and Yom Tif meal to be to be special and to, and to be something that, that people look out for and, and, and remember and think back to. There's so many stories about children who unfortunately never went off the derech and they came back because you know, the Yom Tif meal. They could still smell the, the holopsis or, or, or whatever it was. So, so taking these things lightly and investing time and energy in, in other things and then relying on just, okay, I'll just buy everything in the store. Who cares? Again, when people have to. Obviously, there's a reason why the store sells these things. And some people buy one thing and the other thing, but there's something about it. So for someone to go the other direction totally and say, you know what, who needs these nice Shabbos meals? There's nothing to it. You can buy everything anyway. No, there's something about a Yiddish mama putting in the koiches, the akeros abayas, the aishas chayel, you know, putting in the koiches to make it beautiful, and yeah, it's very tiring, it's very tiring. So somebody says, you know what, who, need, who needs this, and, and there's so much, so many easier ways to lay on, I can lay in bed all day and look at the ceiling and just have everything delivered to my house. You know, that's, I don't think that's smart, or obviously you could justify it, I'll have more koich, and I'll be more this, I'll be more that, I'll be... No, no, there's something to it. There's something to it. Now obviously, if it goes all the way in the other direction, and somebody's working themselves to the bone, and everyone around them is resenting it, and nobody is liking the Shabbos meal, and nobody's enjoying Yom Tov anymore, that, that's a different story. And everything about life is balance. So you ask, is it especially a Tzahara for women? I'll tell you, I don't think it's such a special Tzahara. I think it's a pretty common Tzahara. I think he's, he's a first cousin with every other Tzahara. I think very many Tzaharas, especially, aside from the ones that are, you know, about big virus, but very many Tzaharas are about prioritizing. Very many. Very many Tzaharas are about getting getting our priorities wrong. 
And it's not something for women, it's for men, it's for everyone. I think we all do things knowing that there's a better way to do it. You know, there's really a better way to do it. There's really a better. There's, a, there's more. There's a more meaningful way or a better way to spend my time, whether it's with my children or, or my spouse or whatever. And I know that I'm mixing myself up and, and doing other things. Where I know, I know that I'm first spending time where I like to, or I feel better about myself, or I'm getting more compliments. And really, there are more important things in life. We all do that. So, is this a very special yetzahara for women? I don't know. I don't know how special it is. I'm, I'm not sure what makes yetzahara special. I think it's very common. My father always always used the the term the expression when you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, you know people have to prioritize, and it's not easy. So there's yeah there's one yetzar that tells people to do a virus, and there's another yetzar that tells people just just mix it all up, you know, save time on this and spend time on that and, and neglect what's important in life and all that. So it, it's very common. So to think that something wrong with your wife or or women in general or with Shabbos or with Yom Tov or whatever it is, you know, I don't see this to be um, special or uncommon. I, I will also mention that. With women and their cooking, it's, it's very normal for women to identify with certain things. With some women, it's, it's the cooking. Some women, when they'll come to a Shabbos and the store-bought chalas on the table, they'll feel like a failure. Now, in an idealistic, perfect world, um, why do you feel like a failure? You were busy with your children today. You had to go to the doctor. You had to do You wanted to be nice to your spouse. You wanted to lay down. You just meant to be. You just meant to give the smile and the warmth, which is more important. It's true. But sometimes people don't have that. They, they, sometimes people do identify with, with what they're doing. Again, we could look down at it and say that it's wrong, but it's so common and so normal. You can't expect a, a woman to go to a chasna in, in weekday clothing, right, and, and feel okay with it because it's not really important what people think of you, you know. What people think of you is, is not, it's not, it's not the important thing in life. Your image is not so... It doesn't work like that in real life. People identify with certain things, whether it's right or wrong. I was recently in the yeshiva um, speaking, and, and I noticed that most of the bukhram were wearing a certain mode of dress, certain hat, certain reckles, certain whatever, and they were like the two or three that dressed differently. Now, I thought about this many times. Right? You go to a community sometimes, you see people dressing a certain way, you have the few people that, that dress differently, because that's how the father dressed, and the grandfather, whatever it was, to a point where they can't even buy that hat in the community where they're living. I know people living in communities, and they wear a certain hat and jacket, let's say, they can't even buy it in that community because nobody wears it. So they have to go to a different town, a different city where, they, where people do dress like that and get it. Right? Or you have a guy wearing a, a shtramel or, or not wearing a shtramel somewhere where other people do. And, and yet he has to go get one from out of nowhere. Sometimes you think about it like, why don't they just dress like everyone else? It makes a, it makes a difference what kind of beaver hit you're wearing. Uh, high, low, who cares? Just, just, just go along with the crowd. Why don't people just change? Like, what's the thing? Is it a mimic? What is it? Some people have this thing about how they dress and they, they won't do it that way, they will do it this way and when they change a little bit they make, they're looking right and left about whatever thing. Why is that? The answer is, as silly as it is and as trivial as, as it is often, people identify with how they dress. They, they don't feel comfortable dressing something they don't see as, this is not me, it's just not me. I, everyone else is doing it. Nobody's going to look at you funny. You, you're sticking out like a sore thumb for the last 35 years already in this community. The answer is, it's just, this is how I, this is how I feel good about myself. This is how I feel comfortable. Getting back to what I'm saying, sometimes it's normal to have a woman feel like if I'm not using dishes, I'm using plastic on the table, it's not Shabbos, I feel like a failure. Why don't you feel like a failure, the fact that you're going to be screaming at your kids a whole month of Shabbos because you have to wash the dishes? I don't know. That's how, that's how I am. So in a perfect world, when a, when a woman will ask the question, is it better to use plastic dishes than to scream at my children? Everybody will say, yes, Mamala. It's better to use plastic dishes, plastic plates, than to scream at your children. Everyone knows that. But to try to convince someone about it when they're not asking the question, it's sometimes important to realize they, they just don't feel good. They just can't get themselves to do it. 
Anyway, I'm just I'm not, I'm not I'm not justifying or rationalizing any any mistakes that people make. But when it comes to getting priorities straight, people definitely have a certain um, yeah a certain difficulty in changing how they're used to doing things and how they perceive themselves and what what they identify with as success or not success, even when they know what's wrong. Now, dealing with it, okay. I would definitely tell a husband like this to not try to challenge this head on. In other words. I could try to help people understand what's right and wrong in life, and I could try to help myself understand what's right and wrong in life. But to go tell someone, you're doing the wrong thing, this is not how you should do it, and I'll bring you 150 proofs that it's wrong, it, it doesn't work, right? Most husbands try to explain to their wives what the right way to clean for Paisach is. Most of them, if not all of them, were not successful in getting that message through. Because a woman won't feel comfortable when she didn't, when she didn't scrub the, the ceiling yet for Paisach. He could show her 150 times where it says it's not important and it's more important to be nice to the children and the children shouldn't be the carbon paisach and we all know it and it's true and every speaker should talk about it because maybe some woman will hear it one day and, and uh, you know, oh, hearing it on a drusha might, might resonate but for a husband to try to convince his wife that is, is usually, usually wrong. How many husbands tried getting their wives to leave the mess overnight till the goita comes in the morning? She's coming in the morning, go to sleep. The mess will stay here overnight, you'll be sleeping, nothing's going to happen, the plate will not run away. Uh, it doesn't work. But if you go to sleep late after you clean up the kitchen and wash the dishes, you're going to be very tired tomorrow. You're going to be snapping at the children. And it doesn't work. So it's just something to think about. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And very often, part of you telling this is actually causing more damage, not just it's not, not, just it's not accomplishing. Very often, you, you tell your wife, you know, you don't have to bake the chalas. We could buy chalas. It's not important. Or why are you cleaning the kitchen? It's, it's useless. Nobody, nobody's even appreciating it. Aside from the fact that you're not accomplishing anything, you are giving over a message a very clear message. I don't appreciate that you clean the kitchen. I don't appreciate your challah. I mean, it tastes better than the bakeries, but I'd rather you buy it in the bakery and, and just, you know, it's fine. You're giving a message that you don't appreciate something. It's a very, it's a very silly thing to do. Because if you're anyway not going to accomplish anything, then at least appreciate it. In other words, at least, at least use it to your benefit. If your wife is, is schwitzing and making challahs, at least use it as an opportunity to, to make a huge um, expression of appreciation every week at least that much you'll be building your relationship more. Now, that's not what you wanted. I know you'd rather she be calm, but she's anyway not being calm. And she's anyway not taking what you're saying. At least don't give up on the opportunity to make her feel like her husband really does appreciate her. And enjoy the food. Now, people that get so resentful about the food that the, the wife made when she was nervous, that they don't even appreciate it. Enjoy the food. Eat it. Enjoy it. And, and, and sometimes you have to remember that even if you're not going to let her bake the challah, let's say you're not going to buy the flour this week, she won't bake the challah, is she really going to rest up? Is that going to accomplish what you want or is not, it's, not, it's anyway not going to? Yeah, you have to think about what works and, and, and how your wife is seeing this and how she feels. And, and just use it to, to, to make her feel very special about what a great um, um, cook she is and what a great baker she is and how dedicated she is to make sure that the family has fresh homemade challah every week. Even if she's very tired by the that, and even if it's very wrong and even if it's a, it's a real special it's a harder that she has, do it anyway because at least get what you could out of it. And very often, you want to you make believe that you enjoy it as much as she does. Just to give the right message. Not that she should feel like you don't care. You know, forget about appreciate. You don't care. So that's, that's um, point number one. That's point number one. You don't want to insult anyone's efforts and anything like that. Now, if you could understand your wife and make her feel very good. Really, really make her feel good. And not make her feel like you don't care or it's not necessary or not appreciated or, or just silly or whatever else. And you want to talk to her about it after she feels like you do understand her and you do appreciate what she does. In a, in a calm moment, you have a conversation and you say, you know what, the Shabbos seat is so meaningful. I heard a nice speech about it, how much 
how much good feeling you can give over to the children then. And, and like we started off, include yourself as well. I feel like there's more that I could give into the Shabbos either. I could prepare a nicer story to say, or I could you know, give the children more opportunity to share what went on in Chayder, or I could make a nice uh, whatever it is. And you know, sometimes we're, we're both very tired, but I see that maybe we could lay down. I know it's not easy. And as much as I love you, Chala, and I, would wa- I wouldn't want to give up on anything that you make, all those fancy dishes, maybe it's worth, I don't know, what do you think? What do you, maybe we together we could lay down for a half hour and be more rested up. It, it would mean so much to me if we could work on this. And if that's coming from a place of love and good feeling, including yourself in it, and not challenging anything she's doing, and saying it's so unnecessary and so bad, and you're damaging the kids and all that, and, and why do you think this is even important, and, and anything like that? You never know, it might, it might be taken well, probably not, but it might be taken well. And if you say it that way, and not um, you're hurting anyone's feelings, then, then maybe it will be taken well, you have your best chance at it. Be ready for the fact that it might not be taken well, but, but then leave go, because you did yours. And I do want to mention that there are times where this turns into something abusive. Not often, but sometimes. A guy was telling me that his wife cooks for Shabbos in such an obsessive um, um, way that she doesn't let anyone to the house, forget about the kitchen. Nobody can be downstairs when she's cooking. So you have a whole family cowering in fear upstairs because mommy's cooking now, and it becomes a little, a little overdone, a little more than a little overdone. And I, I very nicely helped the Ingaman understand that this is not acceptable. You can let it happen. You can let it happen to you, to your children. It's not good for anyone. It's not good for your wife. It's not good to let her think that it's okay. So there are times that you put your foot down. But the fact that somebody's working themselves and, and, and to the bone and, and being tired and exhausted and not in the best mood and, and not prioritizing correctly, I don't know if that's called a red line that you can make sure it doesn't happen and put your foot down and throw out all the challah and make sure she buys. Yeah, you, have to, you, have to just, you have to know when something really is abusive or intolerable and when it's just someone's um, work that they have to work on themselves. Now, with all that said, right? With all that said, let me, as an uh, objective third party who doesn't know you and not, t- not talking to anyone negatively, nobody has to feel challenged by anything I say. And Bokhsham people tell me that they have a lot of benefit from listening to these classes because, you know, you hear it on your own, you think about it, it goes into your head, nobody challenged you personally. Especially the fact, like I said, maybe the questioner was even a woman asking the question. I will tell the women who are ready to listen to this or ready to think about it at least that, um, yeah, your husband can't say it to you. It wouldn't be nice if he said it to you and you might not take it well. But... But yeah, forget about your kids. Do this for yourself. You don't want to work yourself to the bone and be exhausted and, and identify with your beautiful sida if it's at the expense of your family, expense of your happiness, expense of you not being able to enjoy the sida. So I'm not telling you, like I said before, to just buy everything in the store, but you definitely want to take this seriously. You want to think about it. Maybe I am putting myself and my ego and my image and whatever else I identify with before my children and my family and my own well-being. Maybe. Maybe I'll enjoy the seed them more and not be so nervous when the kids leave over some of the food that I cooked a whole day and, 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 and they're bothering me a whole day and they're not understanding that I'm busy in the kitchen and, and, and things like that. Think about it. Think about it. Now, everyone should think about it. Everyone in their own way has to think about it. But you know, it's, it's not a question. You don't want your kids to, to resent the seeders, resent hate Shabbos, hate Paisach. I heard this recently from Magashir. He repeated it from Rav Rosenblum, the Roshiva. He was telling Magashir um, guidance on Hadrucha before becoming Magashir. See, he came to ask, Rosmo, what, what does Magachi have to, have to know before he starts saying Shira? He says something very interesting. Make sure that by the time your Talmidim leaves your class, they don't hate the Torah more than when they came in. And that wasn't what he was expecting. He was expecting something about giving a Havas Torah, Yerushamayim, letting them grow. Yeah, of course, that's all, that's all best case scenario. But even just worst case scenario, make sure they don't hate the Torah. Make sure they're not resenting what you stand for and what you're teaching. So every Yiddish Shemayim wants to make sure that her children are not resenting the Erev Shabbos and the Shabbos and the Yom Tif. There are many couples that buy a lot of things for Shabbos because they resent 
the way it was presented when it was homemade. There are very many people, very many young couples that Dafka do things differently than what they grew up with because they resent what it came along with, what the package was. And it's funny to see that so many people resent what they saw their parents doing and they do the same thing. I've seen that many times. People who talk about their father did this, their mother did that, and, and my mother was cooking and this, and everyone screaming. And they don't realize how slowly they do the same thing and we all have to do our own and realize where we make these mistakes and stop looking at our parents and blaming them and realize that, you know, maybe maybe I should be doing something differently. So if I hear a shir about a husband who's complaining about the wife, especially at Sahara, maybe it means me. Maybe it means the husband in his areas. Maybe he's too busy with his work or with his learning or with anything. So that's definitely something to think about. I'll just mention um, another point over here, and that is Okay, before that, there is a special Yatsahara, now that you mentioned the word special, was Vedgebrink in Basara, and the Basara says there's a special Yatsahara that tries to get the women angry out of Shabbos. And it says, Man Nesoyen, and you want to you wanna, you wanna, wanna withstand that Nesoyen. There's, there's a clipper, there's a Nesoyen, there's a Yatsahara that's looking to get people angry at home out of Shabbos. And when you know about it, uh, you know, it's just something you want to know that I'm being tested now. So that's also something to think about. Going back to what I said before, we, we all have this issue about prioritizing. We all have this issue when it comes to a chimra, when it comes to an obsession, when it comes to occupation, when it comes to something that makes us feel fulfilled. We always have to make the calculation. Am I doing the right thing or is it, or is it not adding up and really there are more important things in life? So that's just um, something to think about. Yeah, the one thing that I did want to add is that when, when you want to change someone else, right? you want your wife to prioritize better, you want your wife to do this, you want, it's always important to understand there's only so much you can get someone else to do and someone else to see and someone else to understand. And there's always more that you could do, and that you could see, and that you could understand. So somebody write lately that the, he, did a, he did like a study, a workshop, asking everyone, how could your marriage become better? And 9 out of 10, every time this was done, like 9 out of 10 people only wrote things down that their spouse could do better. My marriage would become better if my spouse would X, Y, Z. When Ingeman sees that his Shabbos is Ibiger strength, his wife is exhausted, and it's her fault, and it's her problem, if he could just think about how he could Forget about addressing it. How can you, how can you make the, the Shabbos more pleasant? Your wife is exhausted. What could you do to make, make it more pleasant and that the children should behave better because your wife just worked very hard every Shabbos? And I, I'm not saying it's difficult to make a man with a Shabbos. It's just an example. Aside from always knowing that you're limited how much you could change someone else and, and being very careful about how you even try to do it, something about thinking, okay, what could I do about it? Where do I come in here? So part of what you could do sometimes is not enabling and letting and tolerating abuse to go on. But sometimes there are things that you could do, and even if it's really someone else's responsibility and someone else is causing the problem, and you truly believe that if that person would do things differently, everything would be better, and you're right about it. And you're right about it. Still, there's so much that you could do in most situations that will help out, even if it's not your responsibility. And when we all try to do what we could do to make things better, and very sensitively try to be understanding of someone else's challenges and why they do things differently than we would want them to, you know, when I have with that kind of understanding and proper communication, we can live together.